0: Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 9, and then I'll eventually hit verses 15 to 20. It's a very sobering word. Um, um, This is the uh, final series, sermon of a series that I'm doing, uh, entitled uh, To Get Back Your Real Life. To Get Back Your Real Life. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 1, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you're with me, say amen. 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 You ought to be with me. It's on the screen. Okay. Uh, and again, he began to teach. That is, Jesus began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And a whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then Jesus taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, listen. Behold, a sower, that is a planter, went out to plant, that's to sow. And it happened that as he sowed, as he was planting, that some of the seed he was planting fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Verse 5, some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, that is much dirt. And immediately uh, the plant sprung up, because it had no depth of dirt or earth. But when the sun was up, the seed, that is the plant, was scorched. And because it had no root, the plant withered away. And some fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked the plant. And it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up. And this crop increased and produced some 30 times more than the actual seed, some 60 times more than the actual seed, and some 100 times more than the actual seed. And he said to them, "Who he who has ears, let him hear. I want to speak to you on the subject heart disease or heart failure. Heart failure. Let's bow our heads father i pray that my speech and my preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom but demonstration of spirit and power help us to know that our faith does not rest in the wisdom of man and the wisdom of brian green but in the power of god i pray that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory will give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts be enlightened that we would know the hope of your calling. And finally, Lord, I pray according to your word that your word will be alive and powerful. Let it be sharper than a surgeon's scalpel. Let it divide soul and spirit and joint marrow. Let your word be a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last week we didn't get to actually preach this last week uh, because all heaven broke out here. But in, in Mark chapter three we and you can listen to it on uh, from the eight thirty service. But in Mark chapter three we were talking about how to tap into the power of God, and it's a scripture where a man had a withered hand, that is, he had a paralyzed hand. And Jesus said to him, stretch your hand out. And when he stretched his hand out, Jesus healed his hand. And what we were saying is that if you're going to tap T-A-P into the power of God, that you must stretch beyond T your thinking. God is always going to eventually ask you to do something that is beyond what you think can be done or what you think is even, what even makes sense. The other thing you have to stretch beyond is your attitude. Mm. Your attitude, your heart. I like the way uh, Charles Wendell put it many years ago. He said, life is... 10% what happens to you and 90% your attitude. Someone put it that we, we have seen people with tremendous physical uh, uh, challenges, whether they have no arms or no legs or both, or whether they're blind or they're deaf or they're paralyzed, and yet they can do. Amazing things simply because of their attitude. Someone put it this way, and I want you to repeat this. Say, it's my attitude, not my aptitude, that determines my altitude. It's not the dog in the fight, it's the fight in the dog. And so often, many of us are looking at our situations and we keep focusing on our situation where God is saying, you need to focus on your attitude. It's amazing how when our attitude changes, everything changes. Are you with me? And too often, too often, my mentor, Bishop Ezra Williams, once said these words. He said, if you think you can You're correct. If you think you can't, you're also correct. You need to decide what you want to be correct on. Turn to the person next to you and say, What's your attitude today? What's your attitude? What's your your attitude today? That's your heart. You've got to stretch beyond the way you think, you've got to stretch beyond your attitude, your heart, the way you feel. And finally, if you're going to tap into the powers of God, you got to stretch beyond people. Mm. You got to stretch beyond people. Obviously, we, we, we know the t- phrase, young people use it. You got to stretch beyond your haters. Okay, so, you know, we hear the term, use your haters as your escalator and <laughs> all those nice sayings. It's easy to say it, it's tougher to do it. But you gotta stretch beyond what people say. Jeffrey here who was leading worship, he was told by his guidance counselor that he would never get into Northeastern. His guidance counselor. Wow. The person who's supposed to, to, to support him told him, you will not get into, and he preaches, you, you will not get into Northeastern. And even if you did, by some miracle, they will never give you money. So basically the guidance council was telling them, don't even apply. Many of you don't follow baseball, but right now um, the, the, uh, the, uh, um, the, the tournament, the playoffs that is, the baseball playoffs are going on right now. Are you hearing me? And, and next week I believe starts the World Series. Okay, some teams have made it and some teams haven't, but we'll, uh, that's, that's a certain sermon to somebody personally in this congregation. Uh, just uh, don't, don't, don't disclose yourself. Uh, but anyways, in the sport of baseball, we discovered one thing. You may not know anything about baseball, but you do know one thing. You cannot get a hit if you don't swing. And what that guidance counsel was telling Jeffrey, don't even swing. Don't swing. Don't even apply to get in. Don't even apply for the grant or scholarship because they'll never give you one. Well, praise God that Jeffrey listened to his pastor instead of his counselor. Because I told him, I said, this is what you need to do. And this is still part of my sermon. This is a very important part of my sermon. I said to Jeffrey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put on a backpack and by faith walk on Northeastern's campus like you are a student. Of course, he thought I was crazy, and I'll say, look, there's there's no, like, beam on you that says he does not belong here. (laughs) See, the worst that can happen if you don't try is nothing. Think about that. That's the worst that can happen. Of course, Jeffrey applied to Northeastern and got in, and then he applied for um, a scholarship. It cost $56,000 a year to go to Northeastern, and Jeffrey got a scholarship for $58,000 a year. In other words, (laughs) amen. That's right. Keep praising him. Yeah. In other words, God is so crazy, crazy good, that he basically said, I'm going to pay you to go to Northeastern. Anybody? We used to sing a song when we were growing up. I want, I want that kind of blessing. Anybody want that kind of blessing that you get paid to go? Come on. Come on, students. Come on. If you want to sue this singer with me, it's, just, it's, just easy, it's just an easy chorus. It says, I want, I want that kind of blessing that saves, that saves and keeps and satisfies the soul. I want, I want that full salvation till billows of heaven over me flow. Now, that song, may, that song, for some young people, you may say, that song sounds kind of corny. But you know what? If you got paid to go to school, you'd be singing that all day long. <laughs> <laughs> it is a season that God wants to do crazy blessings. Things that don't make sense so that you can truly taste and see that the Lord is good. God is tired of people looking at him as a theory. He wants to do things that are so real and so crazy that there'll be no other explanation but God. But some of you, you also got to understand that God not only wants you to press beyond people who are supporting you, Uh, who who are against you, but you also need to press beyond people who are supporting you. What do you mean by that? Some of you will not make a move unless somebody who usually supports you is on board. Well, let me go to such and such so they can give me a spiritual word from the Lord. And sometimes God is saying, you know what? I am not going to allow that person to give you a word because you have got to know who I am for yourself. Oh, can I? I might as well go there. I might as well go there. Some, mm, just, just, just. uh, uh, Just listen to the soft music as I am drilling. You got to get out of the habit of, it's all right to come up for prophetic prayer, but when you're coming up for prophetic prayer to say, God, I need you to speak to me through this person. Then you're substituting that person for God. God wants to speak to you. And you know what? God wants to speak to you, to you through the prophet. Oh, yes, God wants to speak to you. A powerful word of prophecy every day. You don't have to go to YouTube or wait for Pastor Chandler or Pastor Loretta or any other prophet. You have a prophet in your hand. In fact, you have a prophet that's collecting dust. (laughs) He wants to speak to you every day. Every day. Now, in this text, The whole, basically, the whole chapter is about the seed. Are you with me? And when we talk about heart failure, according to the American Heart Association, heart failure, which is the title of the sermon, is a term used to describe a heart that cannot keep up with its workload. Mm. This results. In fatigue, shortness of breath, thus everyday activities such as walking, climbing, and even carrying groceries become very difficult. This month is a celebration or a keeping in mind, because it may not be a celebration to some, of uh, uh, National Breast Cancer Week. In month, rather month, where we celebrate and give to support uh, the prevention and also hopefully a solution for those who uh, have either had breast cancer or breast cancer survivors. And I'm I'm always grateful to God that um, my mother is a breast cancer survivor by the grace of God in december uh, november next month of 1982 six months before lady com and i would get married she was diagnosed with breast cancer and had surgery and the doctor was uh, the doctor uh, told her that she had breast cancer and of course the fear was my grandmother uh died two years earlier in 1980 of breast cancer. So naturally the enemy was feeding into my mom the fear that you're next. And that uh, Carmen and I, uh, we got engaged in October of uh, 1982. And one month later, my mother finds out she has breast cancer. And the devil said to her, you are not going to live to see your son get married. But by the grace of God, the Lord, praise the Lord, by his grace, he dropped the word in my spirit because my dad was off on a missionary trip in Liberia, Africa. So, uh, so the Lord gave me a word uh, found in the book of Psalms where David says, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiant that word valiant comes from a Latin word valor, which means strong. The right hand of the Lord does strong things. And then I love this verse. It says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And by God's grace, my mom grabbed onto that word. And not only did she get to see Lady Carmen and I get married, but now she also saw, she's seen her grandchildren who, who her, are older than I was when she first got the word. God is faithful. David was right when he said, I'm young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging bread. Can you tell somebody God is a good God? And, and you may say, well, praise the Lord, that's your, that your mom's testimony, but you know, we don't, I don't have a testimony uh, that's that ends in that kind of success because I've had loved ones who have passed away from cancer. But you know what? Whether we're healed or not healed, God is still a good God. Amen. It's easy to praise God when things are going well, but can you praise God because God is still good? Whether things are good or not, he's still a good God. At this moment right now, can you pause and just give God a praise break right now? Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him that you have a roof over your head. And if you don't have a roof over your head, thank him that you have food on the table. Thank him because you have clothing. Thank him because you have health. Oh, God is a good God. It could always be worse. We thank you, Lord. You are the faithful God. You are the faithful God. You are the faithful God. I look at my sister, my sister in the Lord, Sandra, and seeing that she's another breast cancer survivor. God is good, that she's here to declare the goodness of the Lord. (laughs) Praise the name of the Lord. My whole point is that just a seed can change everything. And the Bible says that the word of God is a seed. The word of God is a seed you have everything you need from this word to get to where God wants you to go. In fact, you became a Christian due to a seed. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, which is the word of God that lives and abide forever. So this whole story that Jesus is telling is about a a farmer, a person planting a seed or planting the word of God. And the soil... Now, here's the the interesting thing. There's nothing wrong with the seed because the Bible says that in the natural, the seed actually produced the harvest. So the issue was not the seed the issue was the soil the issue was not the seed the issue was the soil the issue was not God's word the issue is our hearts and too often God puts a powerful potent effective word in our hearts, and our hearts fail to produce what God has promised in his word. That's heart failure. Mm. And so I want to encourage you that today heart failure has to stop, and it's making the word of God ineffective. You cannot get a hold of the real you, the the true you, the God-ordained you, without the word of God. The Bible says that this is the truth. Everything else that you're dealing with is a lie. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one comma, not one apostrophe of the word will pass away. Build your life on the word of God. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Well, we're going to, I'm coming for you this morning, afternoon. Tell somebody he's coming for us. I'm coming for you. Because, because it's time, this is your season But if we don't correct our hearts, it won't be our season no matter what happens. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter three that they didn't enter into the promised land because their faith was not mixed with the word of God. I'm not up here to tell stories. I'm up here to let you know that God is ready to move in your life right now. Just declare with even if you don't believe, even if you're having a hard time believe it. I'm going to be one of your mat stress holders. And repeat with me: This is my season. This is my season. No, matter no matter what the temperature is saying, no it's, my season. it's my season. Amen. Amen. It's your season. It's your season. Now. The Bible says, in, 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 in Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart flows the issues of your life. You've got to guard your heart because once something sticks in your heart to poison it, you're not going to get what God has for you. And, 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 and the writer of Psalm understood that the only solution to making sure that our hearts don't fail us, are you with me, is the word of God. So he says, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. One of the definitions of the word sin is to miss the mark. In other words, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a place that God has called you, but you need the word to get there. You need to, when we were talking to the, to the parents about, about making sure that you talk to your children about the word, plant the word in your children's lives. Plant the word in your life. Why? Because God wants us to have good success. Build your life on the foundation of God's word, not on somebody's sermon. God wants you in the word, not simply under the word. It, thank you for listening to my sermons, but it is better for you to also get in the word for yourself. This is one few times I'm going to say this. Don't trust me. What do you mean don't trust you? Go in the word to make sure I'm not just throwing stuff on the slides. Someday, Someday, Elder Jenny, you're part of the team, someday I'm going to put a fake scripture up there and see how many people say, hey, 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 wait a minute. I'm going to put up, I'm going to have a text, Hezekiah chapter 4. Verse eighteen, and, and see how many people. Oh yeah, woo! I don't want to preach. Hezekiah uh, says in chapter three, uh, and you'll be like, preach, preach, and like that's not. They no scripture. Hezekiah. <laughs> Just because it has an ire at the end, you think it's scripture? Sound like tongues, but no. So here we go now. The sower soul sows the word. So Jesus, he, he's speaking to this crowd, probably about 5,000 people, maybe more. And then his disciples, who were his learners, his students, not simply the 12 apostles, but there were others. In some instances, the Bible t- speaks about Jesus having 72 disciples. They say to him, when they're alone with him, Jesus, could you explain this, this parable? And Jesus explains the parable, and I'm just going to read it, and then I'm going to tell you one more story and we'll pray. So in Mark chapter 4, verse 14, he says, The sower sows the word. I like the way the Passion Translation translates the the Scripture, um, uh, interprets the Scripture, He that has ears, let him hear. The Passion Translation says it this way. um, says, if you're able to understand this, then you need to respond. Because right now, I'm not just preaching or teaching a sermon. I am literally right now trying to plant God's word in your heart to change you. And so he says... And these are the people by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear the word, Satan comes immediately and takes it away, and the word that was sown in their hearts has been taken away. Verse 16, these likewise are the ones who, uh, sown on stony ground, ground full of rocks, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and then they have no root in themselves so they endure only for a little while, a time afterwards when tribulation, that is a season of harassment, persecution arises because of the word, they immediately stumble. In other words, when you get a word from the Lord, all of a sudden the enemy is going to come and attack you because of the word. Don't be surprised when the Lord says, I'm going to meet your need. You go to the job next day and you lose your job. Satan wants to attack the word because he knows that the word is God's solution for everywhere, for, for what God has for you. Don't be surprised if, a, if God says, I'm going to give you peace. And then the next day, all hell breaks out. Satan, the devil, Satan means the opponent. He is trying to get us to stop believing God's Word. But if you hang on to the Word, the Word will bring you to the place that it has promised. All the promises of God in Christ, they are yes and amen. Verse 18, now these are the ones who, have, who had the words sown or the seeds sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the Word and the anxieties, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter and choke the word and they become unfruitful. What is that saying? Sometimes God is going to give you a word but other things come and choke out the word. Your desire for other things, your desire to get money, your desire to get a good job, your desire to get married, your desire to get married, your other things, your desire to get married (laughs) can the desires for other things push out the word but these are the ones who the word falls on good ground they hear the word accept it (laughs) deep within their heart bear fruit some 30 fold some 60 fold and some 100 fold praise the Lord So that was deep, but now this is going to be so plain that you wish I was deep. That way you could say, I don't understand, but you're about to understand. So Jesus, this whole chapter four is about the seed of the word being planted in people's hearts, the seed of the word being planted. He's talking about the seed of the kingdom, the kingdom compared to a mustard seed. That grow. He is talking about the word, the seed, the word, the seed, the word, the seed, the word, the seed. All day long. And then the Bible says in the last, around verse 36, it says, that same day, say the same day, same day. that same day, Jesus says to his disciples, six words, are you with me? Let us go to the other side. Seven words. I said let's, but let us go to the other side. Seven words, let us go to the other, seven words. Let us go to the other side. Let us go to the other side. Let us go to the other side. He said seven words. In fact, the word Hebrew means from the other side. Let us go to the other side. That's not a deep scripture. Let us go to the other side. They get in a the boat. They start going to the other side. A storm arises. Oh, Jesus, you're going to speak right now. A storm arises, and they, these, these men are fishermen, so their profession is, is to be in the sea, in the ocean. And so they knew that this storm was bigger than any other storm they had experienced. And the storm got so bad, and water was coming in, and they thought, we are going to die. And they go to Jesus, and Jesus is sleeping. They're about to die, and Jesus is sleeping. And they wake Jesus up, and they said, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? What are you doing sleeping? Jesus gets up, looks at the storm, and says, peace be still, Are in 20th century language, Shut up! The storm stops. And then Jesus, oh, I'm coming after you now. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, how is it that you dudes have no faith? What do you mean, Jesus? All day, I was talking to you about the Word falling on good ground. All day, I was talking to you about letting the Word produce in your life. All day, I was talking to you about the importance of the seed. All day, I was talking to you about having a heart that received the Word, and then. Finally, I give you a test because Jesus never gives written exams. He's always going to put you in the laboratory of life. Mm. The, Jesus has no uh, what do you call those things that? No, no there's another what, what do you have when work groups work together? Huh? Yeah, yeah, there, there's, there's no there's no group project. Let's all sit together and theorize if the Lord will supply my needs. Now, what God does is that He just allows you to lose your job when you have no savings. Let's just theorize and have a bunch of scriptures about we're gonna work on a project. Let's as many as we can in class, let's find all the scriptures on healing and we'll memorize them and then whoever has the most scriptures gets a star and what God does is, no, I'm going to allow you to get sick let's have a nice lesson on agape love agape love there's filial love, which means friendship, this eros love, which means sexual love and then there's agape love, which means the love of Christ But what God does is that he puts you in a situation where a relative hates your guts, and they treat you bad, and they backstab you, and he says, now, let's see how many scriptures you use now. Let's let's look up all the scriptures on patience. And then you'll discover that God will put you mm, on a road in Boston. Mm. You should reach your destination in 15 minutes. Mmm, I feel like preacher right now. But every street you're about to go down is blocked and it says detour. Can I get a witness? And then eventually you have to text somebody to say ETA is now 30 minutes later because every street you turn down mm, and you want to yell at the police who are getting detail and getting all that money just standing there saying, Go this way. <laughs> As you can tell, I still need a little bit of deliverance. <laughs> but God uses the laboratory of life. And He says to the, you, you guys who have been listening to faith, I'm coming after them, honey. All day. And when I put you, in a situation you acted like you ain't heard anything I said well you you preach a pastor and them disciples they had no faith now I'm coming after you mm. for the last what's today's date to 20. For the last 20 days, three weeks, the Lord just gave you a simple directive. Put oil on your head and just say the blood of Jesus will free my mind from dead works so that I can serve God. I have the mind of Christ. And some of you said in your heart, I ain't doing that. Oh, it's quiet in here. Some of you said, in your heart. I don't think it takes all that. Oh, it's quiet here. My mother has her eyes closed like, God help my son. Somehow we think, let me just preach to my friend because I at least got a smiling face here. Sometimes we think there's big disobedience and little disobedience. God does not have any scale for sin. Oh, let me preach to you. Is Jeffrey here? Okay, he don't have he may downstairs, that's all right. The worship leader is put up there to lead us. Now, he's up there to lead us. The worship leader says, raise your hands. And some of us have exempted ourselves from raising our hands. It don't take all that. He's always has now raised our hands. Oh, here we go again. God is testing your heart. God, God sees all of that. Now, Well, well, his Reverend Karen. I don't feel in my spirit that the Lord is leading me that way. It's amazing. I'm I'm trying to help, tell somebody he's trying to help us. It's amazing how we can find, you've been raised in church, right? Yeah. It's amazing how we can find spiritual ways to justify our disobedience. How many have heard this one? God says, or somebody says something, and we say, let me pray about that. Raise hand. I mean, you heard that first. Yeah, pray yeah, Really, really is basically saying, I don't want to do it. I don't. I don't intend to do it, but I'm going to pray about it and see if the Lord touches my spirit. Oh, here's another one. I'm not. I'm not feeling led. Can I get a witness? Anybody have a pencil here? Anybody have a pencil? Oh, I, no, no. I just need a pencil. I need a pencil. Does anybody have a pencil? Thank you. You have a you have a pencil. Okay, good, good. Thank you, Gibbs. Okay, thank you, thank you. So from now on, when someone says I'm not feeling lead, I'm just going to give the his some lead. Now you're feeling lead. Okay, okay, okay. Can you can you feel lead now? Because okay. this is a nice pen. Let me give it back to you. Okay, folks, delayed obedience is disobedience. And what, what you don't understand is that when you stop being disobedient in a little thing, it creates a virus. One of, my, one of the scriptures I run my life on is this one. Genesis 8 verse 22. As long as the earth remains, there is seed time and harvest, and that's not going to stop. Better known in Galatians chapter 6, you will reap what you sow. So while you're disobedient to leadership, whoever that leadership is, don't wonder why your kids aren't listening to you. It's quiet in here. I'm saying that because God is about to do something and he really wants our hearts to be perfect towards him. And trust me, now sometimes, I'm, I'm so, I'm so, con- <laughs> I'm so concerned, Sister Delia, about making sure that, because I was like that, it don't take all that, I don't feel like lifting my head, I had a tough day, you know, we, we, you know, if you know, it's easy for him to say, he's off on Mondays, now he want me to raise my hand, doesn't he know what kind of day I had, blah, 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 I don't know, I get that. But I've come to the conclusion that if God says this is my season, I don't want anything to hinder that. So this is me, this is me, I am so now sensitive to making sure I do what God says that when I'm listening to a worship song and the recording says lift your hands. Know that song we've been playing about um here at the altar, father and the guy says, "I want you to kneel down I'm like it's a song I know I know it's I know when he's going to say it, but I don't care. I want to make sure that any kind of disobedience is rooted out of my heart so that I can get what God has for me and so if oil is going to give me the mind of Christ for this season, what do you have to lose? And don't say I can't afford oil. Yes, you can. You had a big, some of you are going to eat after. Skip the meal and buy some oil. You can get cheap oil, market basket. You don't have to go to whole check. You can go to market basket. Just put oil on your head. Stop being like Naaman. If God asks you to do somersaults and backflips, oh, yeah, that's the Lord. But he said, just put oil on your head and see what will happen. Some of you, my God, you did it for a week. I knew nothing would happen. The command was a mom's. A month. Come on, you, you know what a month is. 31 days. At least give God 31 days. You already gave him 30 years of disobedience. Bishop, <laughs> you're making me out. you You ought to be mad. You ought to be mad enough to say, God, I'm going to do it your way. Folks. We're at a time when God is about to move, and he's like, dude, you're holding up the show now. God, don't believe me. I've been waiting on you. God said, I've been waiting on you. Do what I say. Well, I need a confirmation. Yeah, your confirmation is that you've been getting jacked up for the last three years. How's that for a Confirmation. Some of you first time guests are like, man, I ain't never coming back here again. <laughs> Turn to your name and say, he's really a nice guy. He, he, he really is a nice guy. He, I, really, really, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy, but my mother had cancer. What if the, what if the doctor said to, to my mother, or Sandra, you know, Sandra, I know you have cancer, but you know, if I, if I cut it out, I know it's gonna hurt you, so I'll just leave it there because after all, I don't want you to feel any pain. Your mouth is full of cavities, but the dentist says, man, I know how much you hate being around me, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give you a little medicine and just fake like I took out the cavities, and that way you'll like me. And then, you know, you, you may leave happy, but 10 years later, your teeth are falling out. <laughs> and my point is, is that I'm doing surgery now because God is about to release something in your life that he needs your heart right with him. Can you say amen? amen. Let me end with a story and then pray. I got a call this week from a parent. It's powerful. And the parent called me like nine o'clock, which was like, why you call me this late? But anybody knows that's just not time to be calling me. But I was like, man, this must be really important because they sounded excited. So I called back. And what they said was, Bishop, I was going to anoint my child's head with oil, but then you said if your child has a relationship with God, if your child's old enough, no, 8, 9, 10, 11, to know God, let your child anoint themselves so that your child can know that God is real and that they're not simply... Running on their parents faith, but they can know God for themselves Halfway through this so the child has been anointing their head every day. I have the mind of Christ And I got permission to share this I remember the child's name, but let me read this and then we'll pray This is the child's own testimony Sunday school kid They've been anointing their head with oil On last Tuesday, October 15th, I had Jazz A, the Advanced Jazz Ensemble, at my school. This is a child. My jazz teacher had just given us a new piece of music called Thriller by Michael Jackson. I didn't know until he told us, but apparently it was a Halloween theme song. Our teacher asked us, meaning the whole group, if we wanted the other piece of music or thriller for the upcoming concert. It seemed like every single person in the room, except me, wanted thriller. This is a child. My teacher then asked why people wanted, why people would want either piece of music and that he wanted to know what we were thinking about the music pieces. I raised my hand and he called on me. So I said, I want the other piece because I personally like it. And I was about to say, I was about to say, and I don't celebrate Halloween, but I didn't get a chance. At the end of rehearsal, everyone in class was so excited about playing Thriller but me. I especially did not like Thriller because there was a part in the music where everyone took a break from their instruments and screamed at high pitch, scream of terror. So basically, not only were they going to sing the song, but then they were going to scream in terror. As if terrified on Halloween. My teacher even joked, oh, it gets deeper. My teacher even even joked that maybe we could all dress like zombies. And everyone agreed. So once everyone was in the hall putting away their instruments, I went up, this is, I went up to my teacher and I told him that my family does not celebrate Halloween. And because of that, I don't really feel comfortable playing Thriller. He said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I wasn't aware of that. He responded, that's okay. I just wanted to tell you so that we could maybe figure out a way around it. The teacher teacher said, "Okay. so would you like to play? Or do you want to just sit out while we play it, what do you want to do, student? What do you want to do, child of God? I added that one. I told, this is a Sunday school kid. I told the teacher I didn't want to play it, and he said that's all right, and that once again he was sorry and he wasn't aware. Uh, he wasn't aware. The child said, I felt. A little bad afterwards, but I didn't regret it either. Little did I know what would happen that afternoon. I feel like speaking in tongues right now. Mm -hmm. This is a child. When I got back home from school and checked my school email that afternoon, I found two emails from my band teacher. One was a public Google Classroom email, and one was personally to me the email that went out to the class was this. You need to slap me five on this. This is the teacher. After further deliberation, I, the teacher, have decided we will not do Thriller. (laughs) (sighs) We will not do Thriller this year at the concert, or any other concert for that matter. Instead, please plan on playing these two other pieces. Apologies for the last minute confusion. Thriller, this is a teacher. Thriller is just a horrible song for so many reasons. (laughs) And I am sure you're all secretly or openly happy The child writes, I definitely was open about my happiness. (laughs) Watch this now. Again, I'm talking about when you anoint your mind so that you get the mind of Christ. Now, let me pause there. I ain't saying there's anything wrong with Thriller. Okay, I'm not saying to take it off of your playlist Some of you wouldn't do it anyways. I'm not saying that. (laughs) What I am saying is that God gave this child the mind of Christ to tell the teacher, I-, I can't do that. Here's the email from the teacher. Thank you for being open this afternoon at rehearsal. I wanted to let you know that I want, sorry, I wanted to let you know that I want you to play. So I've decided to change the song list and this is the teacher, public school. And Thriller will be thrown away. I am so sorry I was unaware in the beginning. Here's the student, or the Sunday school student. I was overwhelmed with happiness because first, I get to play with the whole concert. Secondly, because I couldn't wait to tell my parents about the unexpected turn of events. When I told my parents they started praising God as I read the emails to them, then I was asked if I understood what just happened. Oh, these are wise parents. I answered, well, sort of, because I didn't immediately understand why it was such a big situation and why they were praising God. I knew it was big, but not that big. Then my parents told me that it was so important because I was sticking up for Jesus. I was sticking up for what I believed in when I said I couldn't play. Then I understood the next day Everyone in the class was saying how sad and unfair it was. I ignored it, though, knowing that I did the right thing.